be teaching on humility, like the verse and the puppet show, and you can see an old ragged seat there in the train. Um, and if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter, guess what, 14. All right, we're going to start in verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, and go and sit in the lowest, go and sit in the lowest room, that when he bade thee come, if he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of all them that are that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All right, let's pray again. Dear Lord, thank you that we know that if we humble ourselves, you shall exalt us. And I pray that we would seek humility and we would learn now and you would bless us and you give me clarity as I teach. And I just ask that we'd all be built up for your glory. Amen. All right. So Jesus had been invited to eat bread or dine at the house of one of the Pharisees. And on a Sabbath day, Sabbath is kind of like Sunday to us. You know, they had, they went, it was actually on a Saturday, but it's when the Jews went to synagogue and they would worship and they'd read scripture and learn. And so Jesus went on a Sabbath day and one of the house of the Pharisees. Now, can anybody tell me, you know, we talked a lot, Mr. Baker, back when he did his lessons, talked a lot about the Pharisees. You know, they persecuted Paul when he went on his mission trips, but can anybody give me a little more explanation on what a Pharisee was? And your name? Joanna. All right. Can you tell me one? Teacher of the law. All right. That's one. Any, any other ideas? A ruler of the Jews. Yeah, those are, those are some good explanations. A Pharisee was a fat man with a big beard and a long robe. No, not really. But um, so Pharisees, they were one of four major sects in the Jewish, Jewish people. A sect is like a group. There were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. There's also just the common people, but that's not really a sect. That's just the people. Anyway, the Pharisees were the largest and most popular out of all of them. And they tried to make themselves look, you know, mighty and they wore their robes. And it says some of it was out of, um, you know, some of it was good. Some of it were some of the traditions they kept, they did in order to keep the law. Not all things they did were necessary, but over time, the stuff they started to do started, they started doing in order to build themselves up because they wanted to look important. They wanted to look respectable. Now, were the Pharisees actually respectable? Yes and no. So, like, kind of like the president of the United States, you know, he has a very respectable position or the queen of England, rest in peace, um, or whoever, you know, is in a position of authority. They have a respectable position, but kind of like our current president right now, they're not really respectable in person or in character. But the Pharisees, most of the time, were concerned about looking better than everyone else. So much so they'd often focused on all the little traditions. Some of them they made up themselves and the traditions they thought made them look big or special and they pushed aside a lot of the important stuff that had actually been given to them in the law. So it's kind of like, imagine to say your mom said, all right, go clean your room and get your swimsuit on so you can go swimming. And you think, ooh, I want to get my swimsuit on. So you go and you get your swimsuit on so you can go swimming, but you forget about cleaning your room because you don't like cleaning your room. But anyway, so that's what the Pharisees were. And Jesus actually addressed the fact that they wouldn't keep the laws that were given. He says in Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, 
Hypocrites, for you tithe mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done and not left the others undone. He said, you focus on all the little things, the, the things like tithing, spices and things, but you forget about the stuff that really mattered. The law that was given to the Jews was given. There were lots of little laws, but at the heart of it was to have justice and mercy and faith. And these Pharisees, all they focused on, they forgot about having mercy. They forgot about having faith. They just focused on the stuff they thought made them look big and important. So everything the Pharisees focused on was external. And what really mattered, they ignored. They were, they, everything, everything, they, it was, it was what Jesus described, you know, it's like washing the outside of a cup, but the inside was full of dirty grime or whatever. So on the outside, they tried to look good, but on the inside, they were fake. Now, can I, I'm going to ask a question. Do you know what the, one of the best ways of finding out if something's fake or not? Sorry? Uh, repeat that again. Diamond tester. Um, and maybe if you're trying to figure out if a diamond's real or not, uh, one thing to compare if something's fake or not, you compare it to the real thing. Sometimes that'll work. You know, you have, here, I'll give an example. You have right here, I have a $50 bill. Now, if, it, if you, someone make a fake $50 bill, you can put it next to you. Sometimes you can tell that's, that's fake. That's play money. That's what you use for Monopoly. Other times it's a little bit harder to find out if something's real or not. And so you can compare it to the real thing, but other times you need something a little bit stronger. And so... Where I work, we have cash registers, and we use these things. And pretty much, I think every dollar bill has an invisible line on it. This one has an invisible line. I think it's a yellow line right about here. And so, you know, $50 is, is a good amount of money. You know, if you have two $50 bills, it's $100 bills. That's $100. If you've got four of them, that's $200. You can buy a lot of Oreos with $200. <laughs> Or you can buy bluebell ice cream for past. Or you know what you can do? You can get cookies and cream, and that's killing two birds with one stone. But you know, we don't want to lose $50. So at work, if we're given a $50 bill or a $100 bill or anything higher, we put it in this special machine, and it makes the invisible line pop out so we can see it. It shines light on the, the um, dollar bill. We, if they're fake, we call them counterfeits. Well, you know, the Pharisees were kind of like a fake $50 bill or $100 bill. They had righteousness, but it was fake or counterfeit righteousness. However, Jesus is true. He's true righteousness. And when you put him next to them, it made them look bad. Not only that, but he's the light of the world. In 1 John, I think 1, it says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So when Jesus came and he shined his light on the Pharisees, it made them look bad. And the Pharisees really didn't like that because they wanted to look good. That's all they cared about was looking big and respectable and exalting themselves. So there might be a question here. If the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, why did they invite him to eat dinner with him? Explanations back on verse one, it said, and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And what happened was they brought him in because they were going to test him because they said some of their traditions, they said, you know, you can't do this on the Sabbath or whatnot. And so they brought in a man who was sick and was going to see if Jesus healed him. Because they said, if he did, he'd break in the Sabbath and Jesus... All he did was make them look bad by healing him and explaining to them it wasn't wrong. So now they're stuck with this guy they don't like at, at, their, at their feast. And they're like, okay, what do we do now? 
And what does Jesus do? He continues to make them look bad, continues to point out the things they're doing wrong. He says, when Jesus went to the house of the Pharisees, he saw they just scrambled around and chose the best here. In the, let me read the verse itself. He says, he put forth a parable when he saw those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose the chief rooms. Now, by room, it's not meaning like that room over there. Room is actually more translation of it's kind of like space or area or seat. Kind of like, you know, if you go and you're sitting in a car and your sister's sitting right there and she puts her hand there and you go, you're in my space, you're in my room, move, move your hand, you know. Um, that's kind of, that's the idea of the word room there. So really he's talking about seats. And he saw how they were fighting over the best seats. Yeah, I'm assuming none of y'all have ever fought over the best seats, like when you go on a car ride or when you go sit down at the table or anything, you're not like, that's my seat. No, I want that seat. Um, but, you know, he told a parable when he saw that about a wedding feast. Wedding feasts were probably a lot like the feasts he's at right now. And at wedding feasts, they had special seating arrangements. It looked something like this. So you have, you'd have the host, the person who, who's running the feast. He sits here and that's the most honorable position. He'd have his honored guests sit on either side of him, and the table would look like this arch. And then he'd have, you know, the next ring of people until poor Mr. Nobody has to sit at the very end. Um, so I need three helpers. All right, three helpers. Let's see who's sitting straight. I'm going to do Creed. Got to come up. You're going to be the host. All right. This is the host chair right here. You come sit in the host. All right. Next, let's see. You're sitting nice and straight. I'm going to have you. You're going to come up, and you're going to be honoring guest. And I'm going to get one more guy. Um, Isaiah, come here. This is a very important position, because without this position, the example is not going to work. All right. You're going to be, so you have the host, the honored friend, and the acquaintance he met at Walmart. Okay. So now, both of y'all get up. Host, stay seated. Both of y'all get up real quick. All right. Come on, come stand over here. All right, now Isaiah. Yeah, you can come too. Create, Isaiah, go sit in the most honored position. Come here. Creed, what are you going to tell him? If he comes out and sits in her, her chair, what are you going to tell him? I would take your seat. <laughs> what are you going to say? May I have a seat? You would switch seats with him? Is, is what you would tell him? Well, that's actually a really humble example. I wasn't thinking of that. But the example Jesus used is if you're the host and the next person, and someone comes and sits down to see he's not supposed to, you're going to tell him, you're going to tell him, get up because this person, that's this person's seat. And he's going to get all embarrassed and he's going to go sit down on the lower seat. Oh, come on. All right. But what happens? All right, Isaiah, get up. What happens if she came and she did not, here, Isaiah, you move over there so we can have empty seat here. What would you tell her if she came and sat in the lower seat? When she's supposed to sit here, what would you tell her? Get up and move to your seat. Get up and move to your seat. Because she deserves that seat. She's the honored guest. All right, y'all can go sit back down now. Uh, let, let, let's, let's take the honorable seat of the first row right there. All right. Everybody give them a round of applause. All right, so... Going to the scripture, he said, When thou art bidden any to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable person than you should be, honorable man than you, sorry, I'm losing my words, honor, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee 
and him, come and say to thee, give this man your place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. Because if you take a seat that's not yours, you're going to be told, you don't deserve that seat. You're supposed to be over here. But if you sit down the lowest seat, if you deserve a higher position, they're going to say, come sit up here. And everybody else is going to, wow, he really respects that person. That person's getting a high position. And Jesus actually may have been quoting Proverbs or alluding to Proverbs when he gave that example. Proverbs 25, 6 through 7 says, put not forth thyself in the presence of a king and stand not in the place of great men. For better is it that it be said to thee, come up hither, then thou should be put low in put lower in the presence of the prince whom thy eyes have seen. And also in Proverbs, speaking about humility, it says, humility comes before honor. That's Proverbs 18, 12. So people who deserve higher positions are not the people who seek it to make themselves look good. They're the ones who seek to be humble. So don't try to make yourself seem big because if you aren't worthy, you're going to get kicked out and you're just going to be embarrassed. You don't deserve that. Move down. So, why did Jesus tell this parable? Can I get an answer? Why did Jesus tell the parable? Yes, all the Pharisees trying to get the the highest seats. But he told them to te- he told the parable to teach them. Jesus' point wasn't about choosing the best chairs and being in or finding some secret way to get exalted. His point was about having humility. The Pharisees are always concerned with this life and always concerned about having the best of everything. There were people who loved this world. And if you messed up anything that made them look good or that profited them, they're going to come after you. That's why they came after Jesus in the very end and crucified him. Because as I said, he's true light and he made them look bad. The Pharisees considered themselves better than everyone else. And this is pride. As Christians, who are we to be like? This should be a very easy answer. Who are we to be like? Jesus. Exactly. You know, when Mr. Baker talked about Paul and all his missionary journeys, um, one of the places that Paul wrote to while he was either in prison or traveling was Philippians. And in his letter to the Philippians, he says, this may be the greatest chapter about humility or passage about humility in all the Bible. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So Jesus came and Jesus took the form of a servant. He didn't he didn't he wasn't concerned about looking good in front of everybody or impressing everybody. He came and he served other people. There's picture Jesus washing his disciples' feet. That was that was a dirty job. You know, have you ever seen your sibling come in from walking barefoot and like the whole sole of their foot is black and you're like, go wash your feet, or they take their sandal off or something? Well, that was these people's feet every day back then because nobody wore socks and they all walked in the dirty sand. It was, they were hot and they were sweaty. And it was like one of the lowest jobs as a servant would come in and wash their feet. And Jesus took that as an example of having humility. So can anybody tell me a way you could be humble? Uh, what's a way you could be humble? 
has like a big bag of Yeah, that's showing a servant's heart and being humble and willing enough to carry something for someone else. Uh, is there another way? Isaiah. Doing something without being told. Yeah, finding a job, maybe someone else's job, and you know, maybe may, may you feel like it's below you, but you know, you know I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to s- do this for somebody. All right. Doing something you don't like, but you just do it. You're doing something you don't like. A lot of, lots of times, jobs we don't like are jobs that humble us because they don't make us look high and mighty. I have an example. What about, what about, have you ever met a really weird or annoying person? A really awkward person? Yeah. You know, sometimes you can be like, you can, be, you can feel uncomfortable when you're talking to them because you're like, this person is weird. They're going to make me look weird if I talk to them. I don't, I don't like other people thinking I'm weird. But, you know, when you do that, you're concerned about how you look and you're concerned about what other people think about you because you want to look good and you want to look better than this person. But you know, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus was a friend of sinners and he had compassion on huge crowds. Lots of those people were probably weird people who followed him. And you know, people made fun of him for it. But did he care about that? First Peter 2.23 says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Jesus was concerned about doing what's right. And he trusted that God was going to judge righteously and honor him for doing what he came to earth to do. All right, well, what are some other ways of being humble? Anybody have another idea? Uh, let's, let's give somebody else a turn. How can we be humble? Taking care of the whole family. Serving the whole family. Put it, exalting the family and letting the other family members, I, know, I don't know, maybe have a better seat in the car or you know, doing a dirty job that like cleaning the bathroom or something that, that you don't like. I, you know, here's another way of being humble, telling the truth. You know, lying can be a form of pride because what if you do something embarrassing and someone says, did you do that? And he's like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't, that wasn't me. Because you're concerned about, you want to look good, but you still lied. Or what if you get in trouble and you're embarrassed about getting in trouble? Are you going to say, I didn't do that? No, my brother came in and he, he, he grabbed that thing and he threw it at my sister and that's why she's bleeding. I didn't do it though. Because you're too scared about getting in trouble and you don't want to look bad. But you know, God will judge justly one day and you're going to have to give account for everything you do. And you can trust, you know what? I can own to my mistakes and I can tell the truth. And you know, well, well you won't be honored for doing something wrong. You will be honored for telling the truth. The Bible says to tell the truth. And you can trust God is going to take care of you, even if you have to be humbled. So, you know, look for opportunities to be humble. And uh, First Peter, he, he says, clothe yourselves in humility. And back then, you know, everybody wore long robes, kind of like what Josiah was wearing, except it wasn't as shiny. You know, every day they'd, they'd wrap themselves in these robes. And uh, so the idea of clothing that probably Peter had is literally wrap yourselves in humility and carry humility every single day. And not, not just, well, I can be humble here. Look, look, I'm going to be humble and everybody's going to watch me be humble. I'm going to look good. That's false humility. Um, no, you, you, something you take on every day and you look for opportunities to be humble. And lastly, why should we be humble? Can anybody give me an answer? Um, someone who hasn't answered yet. All the way on the very end. Why should we be humble? To please God? Yep, because the Bible says... To be humble. That's, that's one reason. And, uh, and Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But why does the Bible say to be humble? 
Is there, is there a reason the Bible tells us to be humble? I, before I answer that question, I got a big word for y'all. It's called entitlement. Does anybody know what that word means? Anybody know what the word entitlement means? Entitlement basically means you believe that you deserve what you want. You think, I want that. I deserve it. It needs to be mine. And if it's not mine, I'm going to get mad. But you know what? I think I was listening to, I think it was a preacher named John Piper, have it correct? And he said, lowliness is the great opposite of entitlement. You know, Pharisees felt entitled. They wanted, they deserved everything. But we're called to have lowliness of mind because we don't deserve anything. We owe a huge debt to God. And we've sinned. And sin makes us worthy of nothing but death and really sadly hell. And that's, that's sobering. But we've sinned so much. And even one sin is something we could never pay. And so we deserve hell. But you know what? Even though we owe God so much, and he doesn't know owe us anything, he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to come and die for our sin. That's what Jesus did. He came and lived life as a man. And we don't deserve that, but God has great love for us and came down and lived life as a man. God is, for God to become a man is staggering, but God is huge. That's why we sing the, the song, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, because he is He's ginormous and he's great and he's more powerful than anything we could ever imagine. And you know what? I encourage you, go home and read your Bible and read it every day and pray that God will show you how big he is. Because the more you read the Bible, over time, the greater God becomes. And you're just, wow, I, I knew this about God, but I didn't know that this well. He's, he's massive. And the only way to really understand that is to have a relationship with God. And that's why God came and lowered himself and humbled himself so he could die and take away your sins so that you could have a relationship with you. And when we come to understand that, we, we, become, we become humble because we realize we don't deserve what he's done for us. He literally emptied himself. And not only did he give us a way to be saved, but he's blessed us with so much. I mean, he's blessed us with life, with families, toys, games, books, pizza, Oreos. And, you know, we have more than we could ever deserve. And so we're called to live humbly because we don't deserve any of this. We deserve to go to hell. And God deserves to be glorified. But he came and he lowered himself. He emptied himself so that we could have all that he's blessed us with and we could have life with him. And so if you put your faith in Jesus, if you repent and turn of your sins, you can have life with him. And one day, if you've lived a humble and righteous life through Christ, God will exalt you and you will go to heaven and ultimately for his glory. All right? All right, let's pray and then we're going to sing one more song. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your example of humility that you showed to us. I pray that we would keep it in mind and keep our eyes upon you, God, so that we could live not for ourselves, but for you, whether that's serving our families or whether that's telling the truth or being a friend to those we think are awkward. God, I pray that we would just have your mind and have your law upon our hearts. And I pray you just bless their afternoon and keep us safe. Amen. All right.